0: kim fox welcome to the show
1: thank you good to be here
0: all right so kim uh i said this when she came in it's amazing enough I, we've never met before yeah. i've been around chicago politics for five thousand years and somehow our other paths have never crossed uh, but this little show here in this uh, studio i was i told you when you sat down is like lefty land and uh, so we were definitely left of center on this show uh, most of my listeners, we've been obsessively talking, uh, to one degree or another, about Smollett Gate. I call it Smollett Gate <laughs> since it erupted. We have a, generally a different take uh, on what went down. Uh, I am uh, bound by my, leith, my, my oath of allegiance to the journalistic code to ask you a Smollett Gate question. <laughs> uh, I will get to the Smollett Gate question eventually, and uh, we'll be really curious to hear what your response is. Uh, and But I just wanted to start by saying that, yeah. by all that, that this is lefty land. And so a couple of concerns that people uh, who exist in this world that I have, uh, the biggest concern about your campaign is that you have not been forceful enough in promoting the causes that got you elected, that got mm-hmm. you in trouble with smollett gate that col- that got you the opponents that you have with smollett gate uh that uh, that led to the grilling that you got at the chicago tribune editorial board yeah. where they flipped you all on one side and flipped you on the other and you a well, boy conway coming at you too yeah uh so that's generally where people on the left come from things uh so we'll get it all out i'll just start with this notion that popped in my head when i was walking uh, to the studio today kim you become a symbol. Uh, whether you realize it or not, of like, it, like, it really depends on your p- political persuasion. Mm. To p- people on the left, you're a symbol, uh, as Lenny was mm. saying, of yeah. criminal justice reform. And to MAGA hatters uh, and uh, Tribune editorial board writers, you're a symbol of everything that's absolutely wrong uh, with the Democratic Party and with... Uh, People who who uh, believe in criminal justice reform. Yeah. So, how do you view that? Do you know?
1: No, as you were saying, I was just thinking uh, they're making a remake of Candyman, the the movie about the boogeyman from Cabrini. Yes. I'm like Candyman for the people on the right. If you say Kim Fox five times, bad um, <laughs> <laughs> things will happen to you. That's how I feel right now. Um, you know, I. I came to this work not trying to be anything other than a prosecutor who was thoughtful about the work that we did and recognizing the power of the prosecutor and having seen that power be used in ways that were oppressive to many communities, much like the one I came from. And so I didn't come into this work thinking that somehow I would be emblematic of anything other than fair and just. And watching the last year or so and the, you know, demonization or deification of me has been an interesting thing. I mean, I, I got four teenagers at home. They keep you straight up grounded. Like we don't know what any of that is. You know, did you sign my permission slip? So I'm just trying, I'm just trying to do good work. Um, I find it confounding how, how, sides have played out in the last year about who I am and what I represent.
0: Well, let's talk about both yeah. uh, the demonization and the deification. That's good. I didn't even thought of the alliterative. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's talk about the, the demonization part of it. Yeah. Uh, why do you think they're demonizing you?
1: I think w- a couple things. One, someone like me has never had this job before. Right. And I'm unapologetic about that. What do you mean
0: by someone like you?
1: Someone like me, one, we've never had an African-American elected to this position. Cecil Partee was appointed, lost. Um, And we so we've never had one elected, not a black woman, not one from public housing um and one who has said like listen the system is broken i didn't run for this office with this i'm gonna come in i you know my opponent says i really enjoyed my time in the office and that's why i want to go back i really struggled when i was an assistant state's attorney for 12 years knowing that we were doing things what we we're saying in the name of justice and seeing so many people churn in and out and feeling at the end of the day there were days that were really gratifying You, you you won a case and a victim's family felt some measure of justice, but there were many days where it really was not gratifying that that I felt as though I were part of a system that was designed to break communities like the one I came from. So I think when you come in to a system that's been broken, that so many people have denied is broken and have actually profited off of its brokenness, uh, it, it makes you an enemy. Like you saying, Listen, we should not prosecute people for smoking marijuana when John Boehner is on a board of a marijuana company. How do you justify that? You know, people got mad when I said we're not going to prosecute people for driving on suspended licenses because of tickets. You know, people got mad, and the FOP had a whole list of things that they were mad at me about. They they used Jesse as the as the gateway, and then listed the progressive progressive policies that we that we enacted. And those, those were common sense things. Those were basic common sense. Why are we criminalizing poverty? Why are we criminalizing marijuana usage when you can go to California and buy a joint and smoke it and it's okay? Mm-hmm. How, how are we okay with that? And when it's disproportionately impacting black and brown communities, how are we okay with that? Mm-hmm. I was never okay with it. And I think there have been far too many people who've been okay with the justice system as it is because poor black and brown people don't matter to them.
0: Uh, You mentioned a fraternal order of police. I'm 100 percent behind them in their uh, movement to get their contract. I think it's outrageous that they don't have their contract yet. So I have to say that up front. Uh, That said, I find it a little curious. I talk about this all the time on the show. Uh, Their supporters generally, a lot of their members are supporters of Donald John Trump. Uh, who is now uh, running as a, a criminal justice reformer uh, based on the fact that he just released uh, former governor rob he uh, commuted his sentence got him out of prison i was a big advocate of that i think 14 years was too much uh, get your thoughts on that if you want to give them uh, so i figured it was it was all good and well i have a hard time follow me in this kim fox i have a hard time Dealing with Donald Trump promoting himself as a criminal justice reformer because he led Rob Bogoevich out at the same time uh, using Smollett Gate to hammer you and try to defeat you. Uh, because you're helping get some poor black guy on the west side or the south side who's been screwed over by a system uh, that just punishes people who are poor and can't pay out, pay bail. How is that not criminal justice reform when you do it for the poor black guy on the south side or the west side, but it's criminal justice reform when Donald John Trump lets Rob Bogojevich out and one black woman... Uh, Alice Marie Johnson, let's yeah. not forget her from Kentucky. How is it criminal justice when two people are the beneficiaries of it, but when hundreds of people are the beneficiaries of it, it's not criminal justice reform.
1: Right. I, I, I I'm following you and I, it's hypocrisy. It's, it's, it's a uh, justice reform for expediency sake. I mean, I, I look, the first step act was a first step. It is, its its movement on the national level. The real meat and potatoes of criminal justice is on the ground. Uh, it's in county offices. Ninety percent of criminal cases are on at the state level. I think people will glom to that, which makes them feel like they are doing something and have the cognitive dissonance to and tune it out when it doesn't match up to the reality. I mean, I, I find a lot of hypocrisy in the criticisms that. That I get.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, your response was very measured. You were very <laughs> non-Ben. And this gets to the Del Marie Cobb uh, point about you. Yeah. Del Marie Cobb, dear friend of mine, yeah. dear friend of this show, comes on all the time. She's yeah. a supporter of you. You should know this. Yes, view. I do. She speaks uh, well of you, but she says she's frustrated that you're not forceful enough in defending the principles yeah. uh, that uh, you ran on and that are getting you in trouble. This is the Del Marie yeah. Cobb theory, and I, I subscribe to it. Yeah. Uh, so here I just threw you a yeah. pitch that you could have hit out of the park. You could have ripped Donald John Trump, you could have shredded him to pieces, but you were measured in your response. Yeah. I mean,
1: look, I, he is who he is. I mean, I, I and I'll just be frank because we've got 12 days. I'm looking at my people over there who are like, oh, here she comes. Um, but We got 12 days. So now I, I actually don't care. I don't have the luxury as a black woman to be as forceful. And, and I get that Del Marie is a black woman and, and wants me to do that. But there are I've seen the way that I'm depicted on TV. I've just seen the pictures that they use. I've seen the rhetoric. I've seen, you know, second city cop block who's dubbed me Crimea. um, from the day I took the oath. Um, there is an element of race and gender that is in the air that when I am forceful, when I am not as thoughtful and as articulate, it is there she goes. Mm-hmm. And so I recognize as a first in this role that there haven't been people who look like me who have done this, that I don't get the benefit of um, not being measured. I just don't. And it is frustrating to me because people then feel that they can do or say. The the reality is the FOP marched on my office with four different white nationalist groups, four white nationalist groups. The Sun-Times wrote about it. It took them a month to write about it, but nobody else did. And I have said and asked, and people ask me all the time, why, what is the relationship with you and the FOP? Why, why do you have such a hard time? And I was like, it's interesting that you would ask the woman that, whose job they marched on with white nationalist groups who felt comfort in their company. Why do I have a problem with them as though somehow something's wrong with me? And so it's not that I'm not forceful, it is the trick bag that you're placed in when you are a woman, when you are a woman of color in these roles where the dominant culture gets to tell you who you are and what this issue is this issue with small because i'll just take a hit on you've got 12 days left is excuse my line it's bullshit sorry
0: it's a podcast
1: <laughs> it's,
0: a, <laughs> it's a podcast
1: i you know hold me accountable absolutely if, if we we could have done a better job of explaining how this fits in the context of the work that we do and in the process of doing it we owed a greater level of transparency to the people of Cook County absolutely we are a year out it's been a year and what i say when i say that it is not that it didn't matter not that people had questions this was the f- we were dubbed the false confession capital of the united states here in cook county death row was cleared because we had so many people who were wrongfully convicted sitting there We have Sergeant Watts who have sent countless men to prison for crimes that they didn't commit. We have an abysmal homicide clearance rate. We have horrible violence. And that the narrative that somehow this case about a low level offense with an actor who pulled a prank, I'm not saying it wasn't offensive. I'm not saying that it wasn't um, something that, you know, garnered our attention. But a year later, when I'm sitting with parents who are mourning the loss of their children, Mm -hmm. that the, the... Tribune editorial board would spend almost 35 minutes focused on this, without talking about what this office has done or has the power to do. Um, and I do have to sit there and nod, you know, with with all sincerity of listen. I'm I'm I hear your question and I recognize that concern. When inside, I'm saying I know people in the neighborhoods thought that this was this case was stupid. Probably were mad at me for the way I handle it but have moved on. Mm -hmm. And the fact that those in power, the power to be able to talk about this, have chosen not to, I think speaks volumes.
0: What do you think it says?
1: I think it says that for convenience sake, we believe in criminal justice reform. But when the reality of it hits, we don't like it. It's not comfortable. Because if you look at the 770,000 records that will be able to be expunged as a result of mar- marijuana legalization, or the 55,000 people who will get their licenses back because of the License to Drive Act, where we're not suspending people's licenses anymore, or the 100-plus people whose wrongful convictions have been vacated during my time here. The work that I've done on just those three issues have the potential to impact over 800,000 Illinoisans, but we're talking about one dude. Mm-hmm. 800,000 to one.
0: Yeah. What are we doing? Well, to me, it says that the powers that be really don't believe in criminal justice reform. They just as soon uh, have the system go the way it, it is going. I I got two things to say. One, have you seen David Chappelle's routine on Jesse Smollett? Juicy. Yeah, juicy. <laughs> I guess you have seen <laughs> it. Admit you laughed. I did. Okay. So... How long before you realize that Juicy was making it up?
1: Listen, I, Mr. Smollett is under a current indictment, so I'm not going to speak to the merits of his case.
0: I'll tell you what, Kim Fox may have been born at night, but she wasn't <laughs> born last night. Uh, Thank you dennis yes. all right we'll move on for juicy smollett but uh, i urge everybody to check out dave Chappelle's uh, routine on it. it is pretty funny uh if i must say so myself all right uh let's talk about measuring criminal justice reform you you, you uh ran through a list of things that you've accomplished and this is of course is the part of the interview where nobody will listen to because everybody <laughs> wants to talk about juicy smollett yeah. uh because it's celebrity but let's move on to something very meaningful. And that is the way in which our criminal justice system has been used just to lock up thousands of thousands of black people. Uh, and I it particularly was outraged the way uh, reefer laws were used, marijuana laws were used uh, to lock up black people.
1: I haven't heard the word reefer in so <laughs> long. Oh, hey, welcome to My, the Ben I don't show. know what just happened. <laughs> welcome to our show. Wow. I'm sorry. Go
0: back to the reefer law. Uh, Oh, I'm stuck in the seventies, <laughs> Kim Fox. I'm down by the lake. <laughs> We're anyway, yeah. uh, so okay, I'm, trying, I'm sorry try to break the rhythm. No, I know, man. I was just feeling it. I've been yeah. watching Hunters lately. Have you seen Hunters? No. It's an Amazon show, and it's set in the '70s. I know it's a tangent, it was a tangent, but it's so '70s. I'm like, I'm such a '70s guy. Really. All right. So, uh, but I was, you know, particularly offended uh, by the way in which marijuana laws. Every, yep. Everybody smokes it. Not maybe. Not nobody in this room smokes it. But uh, pretty much, just in the most general sense, they probably eat they probably, it. But probably. Go on. <laughs> know, a couple of people in the corner. (laughs) They'll look like they may have taken some this morning. I'm just kidding. Uh, So anyway, so everybody does it, but only black people were punished for it. I think something that really rubbed me the wrong way. I wrote countless reader columns uh, dealing with that. And it's just just a a major obsession of mine. So uh, slowly we've evolved, in quotes, uh, from... What was it? Decriminalization, they called it. And now we have legalization. So how is this uh, reflected in the work you've done in the last four years in terms of dealing with people who are caught with marijuana or have past records of being caught with marijuana, et cetera?
1: Yeah, um, we my predecessor actually had a a policy where she was going to stop prosecuting most marijuana cases. And I was under the belief that, in fact, we were not doing it. And one of my policy advisors came and said, we're still prosecuting people for low level marijuana. And I was shocked. And again, i had seen John Boehner on this week um, with George Stephanopoulos or something talking about how he was on the board of a cannabis company. And I was
0: like... Former uh, House Majority Leader, Republican John Boehner.
1: Yes. Me. Who, you know, uh, had pushed a lot of punitive criminal justice measures um, during his tenure. And so when I heard that, I said, well, we're not going to do that anymore. And what was important to me was when we made that declaration on January 22nd, what about the person who got arrested January 20th? So I said we were going to go back and vacate the convictions of anybody for amounts that would be legal as far back as we could go. We had no plan for it. It had never been done. It had never been done at that scope. We sought out a code for America out of California, who had done it in California. California, once they legalized marijuana, then said, oh, what do we do about the old the older convictions. We wanted to do it before legalization took place. We wanted to be able to have an infrastructure mechanism in place so that we could sell to the governor, to the legislature, you should put this in the bill. So once we did that, when Kelly Cassidy, Heather Staines, Toy Hutchinson, and Jahan Gordon-Booth in, this, in the state legislature were working on, these, on the bill, I asked, could I sit at the table? Could I be a part of it? And they brought me down. And that's where we crafted the piece of the bill that will allow for the expungement. Cook County vacates records. That means you go back to square one, the guilty plea or finding is vacated. It's not just tearing up the record with expungement. It's that didn't happen in the first place. We did that because we knew there were a number of undocumented folks who needed that much uh, more protection because even if they had an expungement, um, deportation processes would allow for them to say, did you have a record expunged? And then go get the record. We didn't want the record, but from the statewide, we Cook County has a carve out. We expunge or vacate records and expunge them. The rest of the state does expungement, and we wrote that in the bill. I convinced uh, the state legislature to to go along with us. I was the only state's attorney in the entire state in the state's attorneys association that sat in support of the legislation. The association we got them to neutral. But no other prosecutor sat there and said that this is what we wanted to do. Why? I think people like to be able to have tabs on people. Expungement for folks is it's the lay. You're a criminal. I don't care that it's marijuana. I don't care what it is. I can't find out if I put your name in, if you're a criminal or not. It makes people uncomfortable. And the thing is, this isn't criminal activity. It was because we put it in the criminal code. But to hold the label that someone is a criminal because they smoked marijuana that is now legal, people love to be able to hold on to that. The scarlet letter. And so no one wanted to do that. We pushed, we got the state's attorneys association to go neutral, and it was estimated that there are 770,000 records that are now eligible to be expunged throughout the state. How many? 770,000.
0: So, okay, just one more time. Explain to people the difference between expungement and vacate.
1: Expunging means you have a record that we're now going to basically conceal from public view. It's like we're ripping up it so no one can see it. But you still were found guilty. We just took it off your record. Vacating is we clean the record and we, like, cleared it. Like, the never happened and anything that's associated with it is expunged, is also thrown away. So if they say to you, Have you ever been convicted of a crime? Um, even with an expunged record, you can say no because they won't find it. With a vacated record, if they looked for it, there's an order that has vacated the conviction. That conviction never existed.
0: Wow. That, now that's an interesting philosophical question. If you're at, Have you ever been convicted of a crime? And the answer is yes, I was convicted of a crime, but it's no longer recognized as a crime. Are you duty bound to say yes?
1: No. You are not. Not in Cook County, because your conviction's been vacated.
0: Even though the correct answer is yes, I was
1: convicted of a crime. It's been vacated. The conviction, so the way it goes, I went into court. I had the first 100 people. The judge calls the name, so it was Ben. We're gonna reopen Ben's old case. <laughs> okay. Not that you have one. <laughs> uh, probably bad example.
0: I got the states. Ben's old there. reefer case. We're
1: gonna reopen the reefer case. I mean, I
0: was set up. <laughs> okay.
1: So we open it. It's been closed because it's from 1976, apparently. <laughs> 75, but who's we, asking? We open it. We say Ben's guilty plea or finding is vacated. So the mm-hmm. that's gone. So that old record has now been modified because the case has been opened, that's gone, and then we're back to square one, and then I dismiss the case. So now that the your guilty plea is gone, state, what are you doing? We're dismissing the case. Mm. And then we destroy all the records associated with it. So there is no conviction anymore. Oh, that's good.
0: Because it's, it's, the war on drugs, I think you'll agree with me. Uh, and I think as you'll be free to say this, in the, in the old days, there only people like me who like real outsiders could say this was a a, just a colossal cruel policy implemented for all the wrong reasons that just caused unbelievable devastation to communities and families and it's an embarrassment to the country so but now you can say that and run for office a well we'll, (laughs) we'll see how this this re-election goes yeah uh but you couldn't say that ten years ago, you no. know.
1: And you couldn't. And, and I want to be clear: it's not all the wrong reasons. It was rooted in race. It was racist. Yeah. It
0: was. Well, that would be all the wrong reasons. But your points
1: will take. But I. But I think it wasn't a surprise to the people who were crafting it. I. I you know, there's the video footage where they're talking about how. Nixon was saying, you know, we'll attack drugs, but we know what we're talking about. We're talking about poor black and brown communities and doesn't look like we're attacking communities. We're attacking this substance. Mm -hmm. And people went along with it for decades. And everybody knew the devastation that it was causing when you disrupt communities, when you take large swaths of people out. What happens to the children? What happens to the economy? What happens around it? And it was then not about the policies that were in place. It was about the people. Mm-hmm. Look at those people. It was it was judgments that we were making about people who used drugs and people who lived in those communities. And it was very paternalistic where we're going to try to take care of them. And it wasn't until people started to realize, again, because t- to your point, everybody used marijuana mm-hmm. at the same rates. Yeah. Everybody knew the policing strategies were different but in the last 10 years when people want to profit and people want to you know get on boards and there's a ton of money to be made and this awakening that we have for me I'm grateful for the awakening but you got to make it right mm. to the people who 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 suffered and that's what was most important to me it wasn't simply that now it's legal because people were going to use anyway. I, I use the example. If you looked at the video footage from the first day of sales, the people who were waiting in line at eleven <laughs> o'clock at night and yeah. they had the hand warmers yeah. and the coffee, uh-huh. like in the music, like it. I know people who've smoked marijuana. First time weed smokers aren't out in the cold and like. 11 o'clock waiting to go to a dispensary they got a guy right like this is not this is not what this is and but if you looked at the diversity of that line Uh it did not look like 26th street everybody knew it and so it wasn't just like yay now people are free to do that which we knew they were doing before they sold that first joint that first gummy that first brownie I needed for us to start vacating the first of those convictions, which is why we did it in December, because I could not live with myself knowing that people were now profiting without us, us having made it right. All
0: right, and what are some of the other uh, uh, reforms that you've instituted, uh, other than reefer? Uh, one that talks about is, uh, excuse me, cannabis. Uh, one that's been talked about.
1: <laughs> I say weed. I mean, okay. it's <laughs> okay. a generational yeah. thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, I there's. Um, Lisa Solomon comes on the show every other week. as uh, always, Ben, you got to see cannabis. You got to see cannabis. They're always trying to, and Toya Hutchins, Ben, you got to, because yeah. she used to come on the show before she was the, the cannabis czar. Yeah. You know, she's czarina. Czarina. She she's, yeah. she's too important to come to yeah. the Ben Jarofsky show. Back in the day when she's a state senator, she'd come all the time. Got to call it cannabis, because that's how you do it. You don't say reefer. All right. But other than that, uh, what a, so shoplifting. Yeah. Uh, this is a big issue, or not a big issue. This is an issue, uh, because uh, Donna Moore has been saying, uh, that shoplifting cases are going up uh, because you've been too tolerant of shoplifters. Talk about the changes you made in, in shoplifting.
1: Yeah, when I came in office in 2016, we it was the bloodiest year in 20 years. 1999, we hadn't seen as much violence as we had in 2016. 760 people murdered, 4,000 people shot in the city of Chicago alone. That's just half of my county. And when I looked at what we were doing with our prosecutorial resources, the number one referred prosecution from police was shoplifting and people are surprised to hear that it was that it wasn't guns it wasn't shootings and the reason for that is Illinois has one of the lowest thresholds to charge someone with a felony for shoplifting in the country in Illinois the threshold is $300 so it hasn't accounted for inflation over the years $300 in Indiana you know our 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 liberal neighbors to the, <laughs> yeah. to the east yeah. there's a 750 In Wisconsin, you know, Scott Walker country, it's $2,000. In Minnesota, it's $1,000. I would do this whole thing around the map, and then someone said, just stop. 47 states have a higher felony threshold for retail theft than Illinois. 47 states. New York, California, none of their thresholds are as low. And they're not dealing with violence like we're dealing with them how do we say to people that I care about the deaths in your community, the shootings in your community, but what I'm prosecuting is low-level retail theft? And so we used our discretion to raise the threshold to what is the standard threshold across the country. And this notion of this fear-mongering notion that that people do of now people are stealing $998 before tax worth of stuff because they feel like they can get away with it. (laughs)
0: Okay, yeah.
1: It's... (laughs) Is crap. Mm-hmm. It it but what it did for us was when we did that, those cases are still prosecuted as misdemeanors because people also didn't realize even if you sent someone to prison for a, a retail theft on a felony, they were going for five months, six months, and then back. How is how is that making us safer? How is that a good use of our resources? It just made no sense. And by the way, we still aren't addressing gun violence. So we did that in an effort to allocate those resources to our misdemeanor courtrooms so that we could put more people on gun crimes. And we took by doing that, we were able to take lawyers out of the courtroom who would ordinarily be doing those cases, put them in Lawndale and Inglewood to work with police and community in what we call our gun crime strategies unit that would allow them to build cases around who was targeting gun violence in those neighborhoods and we saw a dramatic reduction in violent crime in those neighborhoods. So much so, we're now in five communities, again, because we've shifted priorities. We, we were able to add more people to the unit when we stopped prosecuting people for driving on suspended licenses, for failure to pay tickets. That meant we could shrink our traffic court footprint and then take those bodies and put them in neighborhoods. And so that's why we did it. There was not this lack of concern for shop owners. I've said all along, people don't want to shop in our city if they think they're going to get shot. We have this national reputation for violence. We want to keep our community safe so people want to come shop with you. And we can still hold people accountable. This notion of what accountability looked like doesn't have to be a long-term prison sentence. Most shop owners just don't want the person to come back. They just don't steal from me again. Yeah. They don't really want someone to go to prison for 10 years for stealing a bag.
0: All right, you mentioned uh, gun crimes. So let's talk about, this has been on my mind, uh, the notion of should we have automatic uh, bond, high bonds for anybody uh, who is uh, uh, convicted of a crime, or is not, excuse me, not convicted, but arrested for having a gun? What's your general attitude about people who are caught with guns in violation of laws, don't have a license, et cetera. Uh, should they be uh, allowed to uh, bail out, bond out, Of uh, jail,
1: I think people who are a threat to the public should not be able to bond out of jail. And I don't necessarily equate that anyone who has a gun is a threat to the public. The reality is, and again, it goes back to where I grew up. There are some neighborhoods where people are genuinely fearful of walking without a gun. I use the example, Tyshawn Lee, Mm nine-year-old, who was murdered. Horrific case. Those kids who have to walk past where Tyshawn was murdered, sit next to his empty desk, know that there was one of their own who was killed. It is easier for those kids to get a gun than it is for them to get mental health treatment to deal with the trauma that they suffered. There's more accessibility of guns than the resources that people need to feel safe. And so I know that there are grandmothers telling young people, I know you gotta cross these gang boundaries. Be safe, be careful. There's a luxury that some people have, having never come from a neighborhood like that, that know that people are making real choices about mm-hmm. their safety. That they're not bad people, but they are. The reality is that they're making choices about their safety. I don't like that it's guns. I don't because I think when you have a gun on mm-hmm. you, the risk of you using it is higher. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're someone out there driving violence. I think people who are out there hell bent on Causing harm should be held, but I think you have to look at it on a case by case basis. And I think it is easy political rhetoric to say anybody with a gun should be held.
0: Oh, I'll go one step further. I mean, this, there's no easy answers to this stuff, Kim. Right. I mean, there, I I struggle with this like everybody else. But I'm gonna. I already talked about the the bizarre juxtaposition of Donald Trump's support of criminal justice reform for Rob Bogoyevich, but not for thousands of black people on the West Side. Okay, that's an interesting little juxtaposition right there. Let's talk about the the bedrock uh, support for the second rights, the Second Second Amendment Amendment rights. It's like everybody has a right to a gun, but then it's like round people up for having guns. Now, I personally, as you might imagine, I'm not obsessive yeah. second amendment supporter, yeah. but you know, I don't have it like uh, uh gun rights, t-shirts and stuff like that. <laughs> but I can see the contradiction here. You know, yeah. where's the national uh, the the NRA, NRA to support you on this initiative. Do you follow what I'm saying? Again, yeah. It's a,
1: because it's, Not real. Like I don't even think, even with Donald Trump and and Blagojevich, I don't think that was about criminal justice reform. I think that was a president who, for his own criminal behaviors, like has used the justice system to to free his friends and to like create a narrative about the power of prosecutors and he's righting the wrong. Um, I don't think that they, you know, there's a joke. It might be Chappelle. it is a, another Chappelle joke who says, if you want to change gun laws in this country, like arm every black person. Yes, it's David Chappelle. <laughs> and, <laughs> and people will then want to regulate how you use it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I think that they, we give too much credit for them, like being, how do how do they reconcile? They don't care. Right. Like there's not a, there is no reconciling. There is, we like what we like for us um, and it doesn't matter. But I think that rhetoric is dangerous, particularly for people who are running for this office, because it discounts the complexity of all of this to somehow just say that everyone with a gun um, is a danger. That's just simply not true.
0: All right, Kim Fox. Now I'm going to flip the switch and uh, give an example of why you should be thankful for Donald John Trump. Mm. Here we go. Let's see if I can do this. When Lori Lightfoot was running for mayor, a lot of my uh, friends of the activist persuasion called her a cop.
1: Mm.
0: When Kamala Harris yeah. was running for president and I was drinking the Kamala Kool-Aid, I w- when one point member D. She was my third on the list, right? <laughs> right behind Elizabeth Warren. Uh, people said, Ben, how could you support Kamala Harris? She's a cop. Mm. I, don't he- I don't think I've ever heard anybody say <laughs> Kim Fox is a cop, mainly because Donald John Trump, fraternal order of police, is Rahm, is Rahm on your side or not on your side? I don't know where Rom is these days. He's selling books. He's selling books. Yep. Here's Rom in the wind, blowing this way, blowing that way. Take a chill issue. pill, man. Oh, sorry, Rahm. Uh So you do owe them that. I don't think anybody has ever called you a cop, or at least they haven't called you a cop in the last two years. So let's just talk about that for a moment. Yeah. Um, when a Democrat is a in a situation of being a prosecutor, uh, in this day and age, so often it opens them up to criticism uh, from activists yeah. that they're somehow or other betraying uh, some values and yeah. democratic values, and it's a, it's a kind of a trick bag. Kamala Harris, it really hurt her campaign. Yeah, talk about that.
1: I, I think for me, it goes back to I care about public safety and making sure that we're fair and just and equitable, and people's constitutional rights are, are met. I I grew up in Cabrini. I used to seek shelter in bathtubs when people were shooting. I don't want any child in any neighborhood to like have to hide in place, shelter in place because of violence in their neighborhoods. And I don't think that you should have people um, fearful of doing those types of jobs. I, I think you do need police officers who come from these experiences and know, you know, what safety feels like and not be overly punitive, know the language of the people who live in the communities you serve. And so for me, you know, I was a prosecutor for 12 years. I ran for this office knowing the historical legacy of people who have not had those connections to community, who did these jobs that give people basis to fear them or to believe that they don't understand. But I came with an understanding of I, I know that language. I know what this feels like. And I know when we have been abusive with our power and I'm not going to do that. And so it wasn't hard to reconcile. I, I talk openly about having been a sexual abuse survivor. Um, I don't think it is wrong for me or my mother to have wanted justice for me and someone to be able to walk me through that process and advocate for me when we use the connotation cop it is always negative not in the sitting with the parents of s- survivors or people who've been hurt by gun violence like we we provide a real service where we shouldn't be doing is locking people up for marijuana we shouldn't have allow for corrupt police officers to plant guns and drugs on people and do nothing about it or let Burge torture people and get those convictions. Like that's where the negative comes from, but there's so much power of good that we could do that gets lost when we allow ourselves to step back when corruption or ill deeds happen on our watch and we do nothing about it. And so I think for me, it has always been in doing this job trying to keep our community safe the retail theft choice was so that I could go tackle gun violence. It, it wasn't some philosophical, you know, I just I think people should steal more. I, I just it wasn't yeah. that I believe people should be safe in their neighborhoods. And that's where it comes from. And I think you can do both. I think you could be a good prosecutor who wants to uphold public safety and Care about criminal justice reform.
0: By the way, that last little line, which was a total sarcasm, I know. I could see uh, the kind of way people just exerting that out of this thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, Kim Fox wants people to steal yeah. more. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, Kim Fox, we've run out of time, and uh, we want to. Uh, Dennis has got to get this thing uh, downloaded and uploaded and all that good stuff, so people can hear it. Uh, so I want to thank you very much for stopping uh, stopping by our humble little studio, uh, and uh, best of luck to you in the coming campaign. I'm just going to say it. I feel as though uh, what has happened with Smollett Gate, as much as I love talking about Smollett Gate, as much as I appreciate uh, Dave Chappelle's routine about Smollett Gate, uh, I think it's completely a bogus thing. And uh, I could go on and on about it. uh, But enough. I say it all the time anyway. So thank you for being on the show, Lenny. Thank you for uh, making it happen. I also want to thank Ed Maher, my guest earlier in the day. Miles Konflassen, man. He's putting a good spin on Super Tuesday for Bernie people, right? A lot of my (laughs) friends of the Bernie persuasion, myself included, were mourning on Super Tuesday. But it's a new day, Lenny. I'm looking forward. And I know you're crying about Elizabeth Warren. My guy Bernie took a a blow to the chops from old boy Joe Biden. But, you know, got to keep pushing the party to the left, right? Got to keep pushing them. Uh, anyway, so I want to thank uh, Miles Conflosson for stopping in. And, of course, the show wouldn't happen without the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, behind a, the board there. And as Kim Fox knows, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. <laughs> take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs> Only on this show. I might call that <laughs> And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. Join us on YouTube and you can join the live stream chat. Join Brianna, Babs, Stephen, and so many more. Join us. We do a live show, but download as well. We'll see you tomorrow. Take a chill one, man.